and welcome to episode 5 of Black Woman Red State. This is a very, very special episode because it is being recorded in a blue state, just overlooking a beautiful moonlit ocean. It's a special episode. I'm going to call this episode Everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. And it's a variation on the theme from episode four. What's different about this episode is that, as I have been promising you since the first episode, you're going to hear other voices than just my own talking today. So I am very, very fortunate to be here today with both Allison and Sarah at a campsite right along the Pacific Ocean. Would you like to say hello? Hello. Hello. Thank you. This is kind of a last minute opportunity that we're taking advantage of, but I think it's a good opportunity to take advantage of. The theme, as you know, for Black Woman Red State includes policy analysis, campaigning, running and winning campaigning, and some tips for navigating socially, which is really handy when you're running for office or serving in high elected office or trying to get policies across the finish line. So if you're wondering why we're here next to the Pacific Ocean in a blue state, talking to my friends Allison and Sarah, this might be why. So with that, I would like to pose perhaps a couple of questions and let my friends expound upon them by way almost of background. If you are a black woman listening to this podcast, you know that it would be somewhat unusual for your family to take you camping, certainly camping in a tent or vacation where you're outside (laughs) beyond, say, a resort, or in my case, it was my grandparents' house (laughs) or my relative's house in another city. So perhaps I'll turn it over to Sarah first, and then Allison, boy, you really seem like you're chomping at the bit here to get big talker to talk about how you were introduced to wonderful opportunities like this growing up for Sarah. The question is, when when did I start camping? Yeah, talk about your earliest earliest memories. Oh my gosh, my actually... I have so many memories of, uh, yeah, of camping. Um, I started camping as a child. Like Uh, how young? um, Well, actually, it all started, I probably started camping in the mountains in the desert or just sleeping in a tent when I was two or three years old. I remember distinctly that my parents wanted us to make our beds and my brother and I didn't want to make our beds and so we slept in a tent from the time I was six to the time I was 14. I didn't sleep inside. Your bed in your house. Yeah we slept outside the house. No we didn't want to we didn't want to have to make our bed like 
properly and so we brought all our stuffed animals and um some of our toys into a huge tent that my dad put outside and we we lived in that tent and but i do remember as a um as a child going camping in uh yosemite and grand canyon and then as i was an adolescent my uh, my dad was always interested in the canyon lands in utah where you could hike back into the canyons and see um native american ruins in the canyons and we would backpack back there so i always remember i mean when i was growing up my folks didn't have that that much money to stay in you know hotels or resorts so we we did a lot of camping and even picnicking you know we didn't go to restaurants so yeah i mean i definitely have spent more of my life as a child sleeping outside than inside yeah Pass it to Allison here. Same question? Yes. And the mic. Um, I did not grow up camping. There's pi- oh, eat the mic. Uh, there's pictures of us camping when I was really little. I think my parents went camping. Um, but I think by the time the third kid came along, it was probably too much work to go camping. Because uh, <laughs> I don't have any memories but I have seen some pictures, but not any after my younger brother was born. Um, And I was sort of a princess as a child. I did not want to have anything to do with the outside or being dirty or anywhere I could not wear my ruffly dresses. So camping wasn't a really big part of my (laughs) growing up until I went to summer camp when I was 11. And my mom says she remembers dropping me off there and it was about a five-hour drive away from our house and calling my dad and saying she was just going to stay the night near there because she knew she was going to have to come back and get me in two days <laughs> and didn't want to have to drive back because um, I would never make it. It was very dirty, very primitive sleeping outside. Um, but, hey. Dad really likes camping. Um, but I did, and I loved it. And... I think that was sort of the turning point. But camping was something, I don't know, camping. She lived in the desert in Mexico for like <laughs> six months. No, not really. E- ecofeminist. Not really. Ecofeminist. <laughs> so I guess I came, I don't know if it consider it camping. I don't do a lot of camping like this, and, but I've spent a lot of time traveling in the backcountry and living in tents and glorified tree houses I suppose Um, but that's just sort of something I came to on my own I guess as in a teenager and adult thank you very much I have another question for each of you what type of feeling do you get from the now that you're an adult you were introduced to it sounds like in a safe manner through trusted people in your life what do you get out of an experience like this one where you seek it after you do have resources to choose another way to spend your leisure time sarah like the question is what do I get out of being being in the outdoors and being yeah Um, 
I'm not sure I can find exactly the right words, but it it's a sense of um, it <laughs> power isn't the right word because it's not exactly power or power over, but it's it's of choice, like to be able to go out anywhere to decide, oh, I want to go to these mountains or I want to be here at this campsite and to, to create a comfortable space or a comfortable way to be there, um, living in the elements but being completely comfortable or largely comfortable. Um, it's empowering. That's, that's the word I want. It's empowering to be able to go really anywhere and know that you can pitch a tent, sleep relatively comfortably, make a fire. I mean, here we have a, a camp stove, but, um, yeah, it's kind of like that you, you can, you can make home anywhere is a feeling that I have. Um, I mean, I have certain things I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of snakes. So I don't like going to places where there's snakes. But other than that, I feel that I could sleep and make, make a home for a couple of days anywhere. That's, that's the feeling that I have. ask the question again <laughs> well what do you derive from this experience in general camping or being yes. mm. I don't know it's hard to answer I think because I <laughs> know what the dogs derive the dogs get very excited yeah. to be outside um, I think I feel more a sense of home and the outdoors and have spent a good chunk of my adult life living pretty primitively and remotely. So that feels more comfortable to me than living in the city, I guess. Um, it feels more like home to me. Whereas, like I prefer to live out in the forest and take a trip to the city on the weekend <laughs> rather than the other way around like I don't like um that to me is more feels more <laughs> balanced for myself in my life um right now that's not so much the case so right now no I mean when you're in the outdoors do you feel more balanced? oh um I just feel more like in my skin I don't know like I can breathe all the way in and all the way out like yeah, I just feel more comfortable in my body, I guess, and my mind is quieter, and, you know, I can just be an isolated hermit out there and not talk to humans for days. That <laughs> like, makes me really happy. Um, yeah, it just feels peaceful and less stressful to me. Um, so now, living in the city, you know, seeking that out is my challenge at the moment I suppose and I don't do a very good job of doing it um, but yeah one that we're in right now in uh, North San Diego is actually there's there's a a lot of not racial diversity here or, or cultural diversity or ethnic diversity but in terms of 
you know, white America, um, this is a place where people have to rub elbows. Um, there are people who come in of all different means, uh, all different political views, um, all different levels of opportunity, and they live next to each other in campsites for a day or many days at a time. And, you know, it's, it's not like where I live where I can assume that the person next to me shares my belief and um, my, my political opinions because here in a campsite it's it's like much more of a checkerboard than it is um, for me in my daily life. So now a few days have gone by and I'm reflecting on my wonderful time at the campsite and walking along the beach and I want to conclude this special episode with some thoughts about that conversation with my friends Allison and Sarah and uh, the first thing is uh, how I appreciate their honesty and their willingness to participate in this podcast and to share how they each came to the experience of camping and enjoying the outdoors and putting a priority on spending time in nature and as I mentioned earlier in this podcast from my very unscientific longitudinal study of particularly African-American women that I know, whether they live in red states or blue states, it's not as likely that their parents would have taken them camping on, on vacation or even sent them to like a sleepaway camp that involved being out in a natural environment. And I think that's changing. What I see as families become, African-American families become more affluent and are able to also access because of policy and society and cultural changes. They have more discretionary income. And let's face it, a lot of these opportunities are open to them and they feel more comfortable in participating and spending their time in camps. Many of you have probably watched the wonderful documentary series that Ken Burns uh, produced on the history of the national parks. And of course, I'm not recalling the exact episode, but it was during the time of uh, the Depression, and they more or less had WPA jobs in the national parks. And guess what? And you probably know, even the workers in the parks had separate places to live and separate tasks. So, and that was not only for parks that were near the south. So, just for lot, there are lots of reasons why African American families, even in this day and age, would not have had that as, as something they would have done as a in terms of their leisure time, such as it was. Uh, another thing I observed from my conversation w- with Allison and Sarah is this theme that they said that they repeated about feeling comfortable out in nature, just in general, beyond not having a 
family history or a cultural history where you were expressly prohibited through law and policy and practice, they felt alive and refreshed and reawakened in nature. And I think as we go forward, as black people take more, have more opportunities around the world and in their everyday choices, certainly we need to avail ourselves of these, at least the public opportunities to be in nature. Something that I know through my anecdotal note, uh, anecdotal knowledge of policy, because as you know, I really like it and I, I think public policy touches our lives in so many ways. I want to get that message out so people can begin to internalize it. One of the wonderful things about the particular blue state that I'm visiting now, it's the state of California and by law, all of the coastline has to have public access. And what a wonderful way to make certain that everyone, wherever they are socioeconomically or whatever, you don't have to own a big house overlooking the beach. These beaches are by law open to all. And it was certainly wonderful to be able to to take advantage of that. We even saw some dolphins swimming. Some of you at this point may be scratching your head a little bit about why this episode was called Everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Something I came up with when I was taking notes about the podcast, story notes. And I, it, the, the other side of being a black woman in a red state, one of the positive things I promised early on in the introduction of the podcast was that beyond your own direct experience in your family, being the only, the first, being a part of a, on an everyday basis, more or less obliged to be introduced to things outside of your everyday experience, there are some fun things. Everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. People don't think about it that way. But the actual Irish population or even Irish American population is really not that large. People are mostly uh, mixed up in terms of their European descent and even African descent. I happen to have 5% Irish blood through my father's side of the family, I believe it, I believe. But on St. Patrick's Day, nobody thinks about why you wouldn't participate in general celebration. For some people, I think it, it involves a little bit too much alcohol, but it certainly involves getting up and deciding you're going to have a fun attitude about that day and adopt an identity and celebrate certainly not the fullness or the richness of Irish culture, but an, an aspect of what I understand is a, actually a religious holiday in Ireland. So this episode of Black Women Red State, I want to thank again Sarah and Allison for, first of all, Sarah, for inviting me to the campsite. It was so beautiful. And 
reflecting on how they experience camping or being next to the ocean or being out in nature. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Take care.